0: Listen
1: to them, children of the night,
0: what music they make. They're coming to get you, Barbara. they here. Ah. Welcome to my
1: nightmare. What an excellent day for an exorcism.
0: Oh, no! i kill you all. Do you want to
1: die tonight? We don't know what death is. We belong dead. Here's Johnny. <laughs> home. I shot him six times. I'm on your butt. Thanks
0: for your life! <laughs> <laughs> to a new world of parts and monsters. everybody. My name is Robert, and with me is Inthea.
1: Hello.
0: Welcome to Pods and Monsters. We hope you're all checked in. You know why, Inthea? Why? Because we're going to the Overlook Hotel.
1: Oh, man. Speaking of self-isolation and whatnot...
0: That's right. Tonight, we are going to be talking about that classic film from 1980 celebrating its 40th anniversary, and that is Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. The Shining, a masterpiece of modern horror. Directed by Stanley Kubrick. Starring Jack Nicholson and Shelley Duvall. Rated R. Opens Friday, June 13. Check newspapers for local listings. I always spell
1: it "Shining." I put too many ends in it.
0: 40 years of The Shining, in Thea.
1: Yeah, that's crazy.
0: Yeah. Um, when, <laughs> when was the first time you saw it? Do you remember?
1: I think The Shining has always been one of those movies that's been around for mm-hmm. me. But I do remember really sitting down and watching it in my mid-20s and being like, this movie is so good.
0: Yeah. I'm kind of the same way too, where I remember seeing clips from it, but I don't remember actually watching it probably until I was in my 20s. Yeah. I kind of feel like maybe that's the time to get into it because Stanley Kubrick movies are always a little on the slow side. Yeah. Even though The Shining, I don't find slow at all. It's not. But I could see how some people might think it is. Okay. Well, why don't we talk about the shining and go through all the events of what took place back on that fateful day and
1: it wasn't a day it was like <laughs> a couple of months
0: back on those fateful months or like
1: two <laughs> weeks I don't know I don't know it's over I wrote it down days. but either way it's hard path let's talk about something else <laughs> <laughs>
0: all right anthea the shining 1980
1: boom boom
0: Boom! <laughs> so we start with that great music
1: yeah well we start with the warner brothers logo <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay warner brothers logo and then the great music
1: yes we start with that wonderful music and we push over a lake um yeah. and we end up coming upon a car that is following this windy road and it's a little yellow vw bug and it's going up by this lake through the woods and up a mountain
0: yeah and These helicopter shots are incredible. This is really some Class A technology that they uh, perfected for this movie to get these steady, smooth helicopter shots that really no one had ever seen before.
1: You can see the propellers. Yeah, there's one shot, especially
0: (laughs) uh, when you get the first shot of the Overlook Hotel. If you look at the top of the screen, you can see the propellers going. Yeah. but. There's that one shot that's so incredible where it starts way off in the distance, way up above the mountain. It comes down on the road right next to the car and then Mm -hmm. zooms back out. It's incredible. I can't believe it.
1: It's done so well. Uh, We get the credits in in this really bright blue font. And we get a shot, an establishing shot of the hotel. So this movie presents things in segments or establishes timelines, I guess. Mm -hmm. And this is called The Interview. interview so we had a little title card and we meet jack torrance played by jack nicholson and he arrives at the hotel to meet with mr ullman for an interview
0: stuart ullman
1: Wherever they are at the Overlook is three and a half hours from where he is. We find out later, I believe he's in Boulder?
0: Yeah, Colorado.
1: Yeah. They exchange a bunch of politeness, and this scene is intercut with Jack's family, who are back home. So we go and we see them, and it's Danny and Wendy, and they're talking about going to the hotel for winter. Danny's asking her if she wants to go, and how she feels about it. We also find out that Danny has an imaginary friend named Tony. And Tony. <laughs> Tony does not want to go to the hotel.
0: What about Tony? He's looking forward to the hotel, I bet. I
1: Danny is very much saying what he thinks Wendy wants to hear.
0: And how does Tony present himself?
1: Tony, at this point, is... Just him flexing his little pointer finger.
0: Yeah, Danny uh does a funny little voice. And uses his little finger to talk as Tony, which apparently was developed by Danny Lloyd himself, the little boy. Mm. He came up with the little finger movement.
1: Okay. Now we're back at the interview. And uh, there's a gentleman named Bill who has joined in. He also helps um, run the Overlook Hotel. We get some backstory on Jack. He's a teacher and a writer. He was formerly a teacher and a writer. Mm -hmm. And he was recommended for this job. Mr. Ullman explains exactly how the seasons work because Jack makes a comment that the winter, this place is perfect for skiing. He doesn't understand why it would be closed during the winter. And it turns out that they get very severe, horrible storms and they would never be able to keep the road open. So um, we're getting some establishing conditions for this hotel, which I really like the way that they're just thrown out there. Um, and we're informed that it just costs too much money to keep those roads plowed. So they just need someone to make sure that the hotel doesn't fall into disrepair <laughs> and the elements don't completely take over for the five months that it's closed out of the year.
0: Yeah, they close, I think, October 30th to May 1st.
1: OK. We also find out that the hotel was built in 1907 and he very casually throws out there that it is built on an Indian burial ground.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't seem to cause any alarm, but Nope, that's okay.
1: He's just like, chuckle, chuckle. <laughs> this is what's going on. Because of the conditions, the hotel's very isolated. There's really no coming in or out. He wants to make sure that Jack is okay with this, and Jack is more than okay. He says that it'll be good for him to write.
0: Yeah, they talk about how him and his family staying here over these months causes a tremendous sense of isolation and wants to know if he'll be okay with that. And, you know, Jack is really selling himself, saying yes. that's what he wants. He's he's always looking for isolation. It'll get him to write better. Yes. The only thing that can get a bit trying up here during the winter is a uh, tremendous sense of isolation. Well, that just happens to be exactly what I'm looking for. I'm... Uh i'm outlining a new writing project and uh, five months of peace is
1: just what i want i have some thoughts on jack nicholson and i think he's amazing in this Mm -hmm. um however he comes into this already real hot and i think this character's supposed to slowly delve into madness and this man's already like gone by the time he gets (laughs) up there
0: as we'll talk about at the end of the show that was one of Stephen King's biggest problems. He didn't like the casting of Jack Nicholson, and I I can understand it. I mean, it is an incredible performance, but yeah, he's crazy from the get-go.
1: Yeah, he's super, like, those eyebrows are (laughs) really giving away (laughs) everything. So then, Mr. Allman, again, in his very casual way of addressing very horrifying things, (laughs) asks Jack if The people who had recommended him for this job had told him about what happened in the winter of 1970, which was not that far before this, which I find very funny. Ten years. He says that Charles Grady was the winter caretaker with his wife and kids, and that one day he just had a breakdown and killed his family with an axe, then killed himself.
0: Yeah, it's funny the way he breaks the news to him, because he's like, oh, you know, there's the story, um... I don't know, uh, uh <laughs> this man, he killed his family with an axe. He must have suffered some kind of a complete mental breakdown. He ran amuck and, uh, he killed his family with an axe. And then he goes on,
1: <laughs> on to say that the police think that he just got cabin fever. This is the first time we see Jack just kind of really soak in what's being said to him, and he seems a little unsettled.
0: Yeah, he says, that's not gonna happen to me. <laughs>
1: well... You can rest assured, Mr. Ullman, that's not going to happen with me. Sure. Uh, Your eyebrows say (laughs) otherwise, sir. Jack says that his wife is a confirmed ghost story and horror film addict. Yeah. Which I don't think so. (laughs) i think that's a huge lie so now we're back with wendy and danny danny's in the bathroom and he's talking to tony about the job interview asking if he thinks that jack will get the job so here we find out that definitely he calls him dad but jack is danny's dad tony confirms that he got the job already. Meanwhile, Wendy is in the kitchen and she gets a call from Jack telling her that he's going to be late coming back home. So they have a very interesting, not interesting, but they have a little bit of a conversation. And in this, he confirms to her that he got the job. Tony won't tell Danny why he doesn't want to go to the Overlook Hotel. But Danny is very persistent and keeps asking him. Tony then gives these images Mm. to... Danny. And we get the very iconic images from this movie which are the bloody elevator Mm -hmm. uh, the twins and a screaming Danny.
0: Yeah, it's just these cuts to these silent shots
1: some time has passed and danny is in a bed being examined by a doctor who asks if he saw anything strange or smelled anything funny
0: yeah because when he had these images he went into shock and well he
1: passed out he didn't like I mean, he fainted.
0: He fainted and they couldn't snap him out of it.
1: Yeah. He tells the doctor about Tony and that he was talking to Tony in the bathroom before he passed out. The doctor pretty much goes to examine him and just says there's nothing physically wrong with him and he should just stay in bed. She ends up having a conversation with Wendy in the living room and says that whatever happened to him may never be explained, which always tends to happen in these types of movies. The doctors will just never know. But they end up talking about past trauma that may have led to... To Danny having his imaginary friend, Tony.
0: Yeah, she asks uh, when she noticed that he started having this imaginary friend. And she knows that they recently moved from Virginia, I believe, to Colorado. So she asked if Tony became a figment of his imagination at that point because of the trauma of leaving everything he knows. But no. Tony has been around since nursery school.
1: Yes. And uh, we got a really weird timeline here that then is cleared up much later in the movie. Yeah. When Danny was in nursery school, Jack accidentally... Pulled him too hard. Danny was on the ground, had a bunch of his papers everywhere that upset Jack. Jack went to go pick him up off the ground and yanked his arm too hard and it ended up dislocating his shoulder.
0: Now, do you think that would have really been an accident or he did hurt him on purpose?
1: I could see Jack being abusive. Yeah. Yeah. It caused Jack to stop drinking. And she mentions that that was five months ago. And then I was like, how old is Danny if he was in nursery school? Turns out that incident was three years ago.
0: Yeah, that doesn't really make too much sense. Because when she's telling the doctor, she makes it sound like he stopped drinking because of that incident. But that incident was three years ago, and he's only stopped drinking for five months.
1: But she always reminds him of it.
0: That's true. She, uh, as Jack says later, she never lets it go and will always remind him of it. So yeah.
1: Now we're with the whole family in their car, and they're driving up to the hotel.
0: Yeah, and Jack seems so pissed off already. He
1: does. I actually put down that Jack already seems pissed. Danny is hungry, and Wendy is making chit-chat. Jack is having absolutely, he's responding to everyone in a very condescending, just, I don't even know. He's just exasperated. He's done. He doesn't care. And they end up talking about the Donner Party. Yeah. They talk about cannibalism and all this stuff. And uh, Danny ends up saying that it's okay to hear this because he saw it on television. The way he just responds... It's like, uh, he's already going to kill this family, and you know it. Don't worry, Mom. I know all about cannibalism. I saw it on TV.
0: See? It's okay. You saw it on the television.
1: They get to the hotel and Jack is now waiting for Mr. Ullman. He wants to take them on a little tour.
0: And we see there's guests still there because it's the last day and everyone's leaving.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of hustle and bustle everywhere. Danny ends up staying in the game room and Wendy joins Jack on a tour of the hotel. We end up going to one of our main locations, every room that we visit in this little tour, even though this is a huge hotel are rooms where there are main things that happen. Mm -hmm. So the first room we get to is the Colorado Lounge where Wendy's completely in love with it. It has a giant staircase at one end and is a southwest motif or something like that. This is also cut with Danny who is in the games room and he is playing darts. He's playing darts very well by the way and we get some really ominous music that kind of takes over as he's approaching the wall to take the darts off the wall and when he turns around there are the two twin sisters standing in the room
0: yeah well i want to say something about that real quick yes sir they're not twins the actors weren't actually twins in the movie they're sisters but in the movie uh they say one was like three years older than the other
1: really Mm
0: -hmm. when uh is giving the history of what happened to grady and his daughters
1: but either way those girls are actually sisters you see it in the credits that they're played by sisters
0: yeah and i love this shot it's scary that yeah, they're just standing there watching them
1: i will always refer to them as the twins though sorry I know. not That's gonna okay. stop yeah they uh, they're just standing there and they turn around and they walk out omen now takes them to the staff portion of the building where there are little apartments which i think is actually really neat Yeah, Um, And it does look less like a hotel and looks more like um, an actual living area. And it's the only place in the entire hotel that has heat during the winter. We get a really great track or I don't know. Is it called a tracking shot when it moves through and we get the entire sense, which really pays off later in the movie of. The distance between you go from the front door all the way to the furthest end of the apartment, which is the bathroom.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So we get to see the space that they'll be living in, what's in this and, and whatnot.
0: That was most likely shot with a cam. The cam operator on this movie was the guy that invented the cam, and this was one of the earliest examples of it. I think the first time it really got famous, the cam was uh, in Rocky. Oh. When they're in the apartment checking it out, one of my favorite lines from Jack, when he says, Cozy. <laughs> Do you remember the cozy scene? He's showing the bed and he touches the bed and he looks oh, at Alman yeah. and says, Cozy. <laughs> it's the cozy scene. Whatever.
1: They then go outside and he takes them to the hedge maze. Uh, so we get a little backstory on the hedge maze about it being like 13 feet tall and that it could take up, into, up to an hour to get in and out of the hedge maze. That's right we then also get a little bit more backstory and this is actually when we get the indian burial ground comment
0: the site is supposed to be located on an indian burial ground and i believe they actually had to repel a few indian attacks as they were building it
1: we find out that if they want to leave the hotel or need to at any point they have a snow cat and we get to see that in its little garage then he takes them back into the hotel and they go to the gold room which is a bar. Well, it's a, um, it's a ball, bar and a lounge.
0: Like a ballroom, a ball room, yeah. And it's an amazing set. It's huge.
1: Yeah, it's gorgeous. It makes a point to tell them that the bar is not stocked during the winter, so they don't have to carry that extra license. And Jack says that they are not drinking anyway. So they also meet Dick Halloran. He is the head chef. And Danny ends up showing up here. He was looking for them outside. And now um, he was escorted over by one of the employees. Ullman asks Dick to show Wendy the kitchen. And he has some other business that he needs to go over with. Dick takes them to the kitchen and shows them around, jokes around with Danny, and ends up calling him Doc. What's up, Doc? <laughs> and Wendy asks how he knows that they call him Doc, and he says that um, he ends up playing that off and saying that they must have said it to him at some point, but she really doesn't recall.
0: Well, if he looks like a Doc anyhow.
1: Yes. As he's showing her the pantry, Danny kind of just hangs back And as Dick is talking verbally to Wendy, he looks over at Danny and talks to Danny telepathically.
0: Yeah, this is a really neat shot and moment. Well, one, I like when Dick is going through the pantry and listing off every item that they have. He's just going on and on. Like when they go into the freezer and talk about all the meat they have, like 20 pounds of chicken, da, da 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 Oh, it's so good. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but the shot of the camera slowly pushing in and then he looks over and you get that line asking if Danny wants ice cream. How'd mm-hmm. you like some ice cream, Doc? If you don't know this movie, it's just so strange and weird. Like, where did that audio come from? This isn't making sense.
1: Yeah. But I do like that all of the other sounds are muted and then you get that. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but there's like a high-pitched noise, and yeah, it just, it's great. Alman arrives to take Wendy with them down to the basement so he can show her the boiler room. There is a lot of hustle and bustle going around, so Wendy's whisked off to this, and they talk about how by 5 p.m. that day, there won't be a single soul left in the building except for them. Dick is talking to Danny about being able to telepathically hear him. And he ends up calling whatever this ability is that they have shining. Says that his mother, I believe, told him that's what it was. That some people shine.
0: Mother or grandmother? I don't remember. I think it was grandmother. She called it Shiny.
1: Danny won't talk about it and says that Tony tells him that he's not supposed to talk about it. Tony is how Danny finds out his information. Yeah. That, that's what he's decided to call this. His shine is called Tony and dick asks if tony has told him anything about the hotel and danny i like this conversation i like how they talk to each other here so danny asks if dick is scared of the hotel dick says that no but the hotel does shine and danny asks if there is something bad here at the hotel to which he replies that people that shine can see what happened in the hotel but Not everything that has happened in the hotel has been good. So there's some bad stuff that's happened there. And he doesn't want to tell Danny outright. Danny asks about room 237. And Dick immediately, he shuts that down. He doesn't want to talk about it and says to stay out of that room. There's no reason he should be going in there anyway. Yeah. So now we get a title card that says one month later. Can I say there's an aggressiveness to these title cards. (laughs) They eventually become a jump scare. Yeah they're just jarring we have wendy walking through the hotel with food and danny is riding his big wheel through the hotel
0: yeah i love these shots of him riding his big wheel with a camera down near the ground like he is right behind him following
1: i like the sound like when you can hear him going over carpet and then when he's not on carpet yeah so good wendy is bringing food to jack she seems very proud and she's pretty happy right now
0: yeah um She has all the food she could want. She has a whole cart. Like, it's a room service she's bringing them.
1: Yeah, she's really just, like, putting on a show for her husband. She wakes up Jack, and she comments that he's been sleeping late. It's 11.30. And she comments that he's been staying up pretty late. And so he's been sleeping in late, because it's now 11.30.
0: Remember what she brings him for breakfast? No. She brings him some over easy eggs and I love the way he eats his bacon while he's talking and he takes the bacon and he dips it into the egg juice and eats. It's called yolk. Oh yeah, yolk.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got into that egg juice? Mm. Uh, egg juice. <laughs> <laughs> she asks him to take her out for a walk but he says that he needs to get back to writing because he's pretty stuck and he comments that he's really happy and comfortable at the hotel he says that he feels at home like he's been there before i mean we all have moments of deja vu but this was ridiculous she says that she at first found it pretty scary but she's kind of acclimated now we're in the Colorado room and Jack is in there playing ball. He's just throwing this ball aggressively against the wall and he's not doing any work. Yeah, We and- do see that he has a setup going on of his typewriter.
0: Yeah, and him throwing that tennis ball looks so fun. Boy, would I love to do that. Have a giant room where I could throw a tennis ball against the wall. That's the dream.
1: While he's wasting or whatever he's doing in the Colorado room, Danny and Wendy are playing in the maze. I have a theory. Well, not a theory, but I'm pretty sure this might be their first time going in, but it's certainly not their last time because by the end of the movie, they're pretty familiar. Danny's very familiar with the maze. We get some eerie music as they are walking through the maze and it's mirrored with Jack walking through the lobby of the hotel where he finds a model of the maze. And as he looks down on it, we see... Wendy and Danny in the center of the maze.
0: Yeah, it's really neat how they composite them into the model.
1: Yeah, I thought that was really great. Now we get another title card and our first jump scare, Tuesday. <laughs> 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 we got a newscast of, of Missing Woman, which is playing on a TV in the kitchen where Wendy is opening up the biggest can of something. But seeing that there's a missing woman who was lost in the mountains and there's a search going on for her but it might be called off due to a very severe oncoming storm danny meanwhile is riding his little bike through the hotel and we get our famous carpet here he passes room 237 and stops to stare at it he walks over to the room door and tries to open it. I like that he's trying to be sneaky, sneaky and like checks around, but he can't get in. It's locked and he walks away. Or sorry, he drives
0: away. And he has another flash of the twins.
1: Now we're back in the Colorado room, and Jack is typing away with intense music that is building. He's interrupted by Wendy checking in on him, and she says that they're going to be getting some snow, and he has a complete jerk response to her regarding the snow, asking her what she wants him to do about it. She asks him not to be so grouchy, and he says that he's just trying to work. He tells her that she's a distraction, and when she had initially walked in, in, he was typing he stopped and ripped out the paper before she could even look at it then he just tears it up while he's explaining to her that she is a distraction and to not come in this room if he's in there or if she typing thinks he away. might be in there if he's making no noise nothing just leave him alone and then he tells her to leave
0: he says get the f out
1: he's so mean to her he's just he's so mean to her
0: we're gonna make a new rule Whenever I'm in here, you hear me typing.
1: Whether you don't hear me typing, whatever the, the fuck you hear me doing in here, when I'm in here, that means that I am working. That means don't come in. How do you think you can handle that?
0: Yeah, this is a great scene, though. Now you see Jack is really starting to go.
1: Um, He goes back to typing as she leaves. Another title card thursday wendy and danny are playing in the snow they're playing in a snowstorm it's not even like some light snow it's just a storm (laughs) and they're playing but you do what you gotta do and we see jack standing in the most awful position looking like a crazy person looking out the window completely just like in a catatonic evilish eyebrows working overtime look. Yes, 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 Robert. I see your face.
0: Yes, it's a great moment because he's he's basically frozen just staring out the window with this ominous look.
1: Yes. I would also like to note that Wendy has a great wardrobe. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know this right now. <laughs> now we have Saturday and there's more snow. Jack is typing away and wendy is trying to communicate with whomever she notices that the phone lines are down and she ends up using a radio to call the forest service and has a little conversation with an officer i don't know what they're called that works there they tell ranger oh, thank you they tell her that the phones will probably be down for a very long while and that this is actually one of the worst storms they've seen in a very long while. So everything's just going to take a long while. Also, to leave the radio on at all times from here on out. Danny is driving around, and he sees the girls, uh, the sisters that we'd seen earlier, in the hallway. So we get that iconic scene.
0: He rounds the corner, and they're just there. The music of when they appear is just wonderful.
1: Yep, and they say, come play with us.
0: Come play with us.
1: Then he sees these flashes of them dead lying on the ground with an ax nearby.
0: Jumped up into pieces.
1: Danny is scared and he tells Tony that he's scared. Tony tells him to remember what Dick said, that this isn't real, that they are like pictures in a book. So all of these things should not be able to hurt him. Now we're at Monday, which I like the way that this is being told. It's like they've had this harmonious month eventful month where jack has been descending from his initial madness on the incline to the ascent up to the hotel right because yeah. this probably started actually when he was taking the interview but whatever yeah. now it's really ramping up it's catching up to all of them this like week and a half or something so wendy and danny are watching tv and danny wants to go play with his fire truck that is in the bedroom wendy does not want him to go do that because Jack just went to bed a few hours ago and she doesn't want him to wake up Jack. Danny, again, super insistent. And for some reason, everyone gives in to this little boy's demands.
0: (laughs) Well, he has the shine.
1: I guess, but his little shine buddy, Tony, should not be telling him shit. (laughs) And now Wendy's like, I guess so. And it's like, Wendy, just say no. But this is a movie. Wendy says, go for it, make no noise. Danny sneaks into the apartment to go grab the fire truck. But he finds Jack awake and being creepy in bed.
0: He's just sitting at the edge of the bed looking straight ahead.
1: Yep. Danny asks for permission to his room to go get his fire truck. And Jack tells him to come over here, which is my least favorite thing that people do when you're just trying <laughs> to live your life, and pulls him onto his lap. He asks him if he is having a good time time at the hotel. (laughs) Danny lies and says, yes,
0: I want you to have a good
1: time. Danny asks if he feels okay, And Jack says that he's tired but has so much to do. Danny then asks him if he likes the hotel. Jack tells him that he does. And Danny reluctantly agrees. Jack wishes that they could stay there forever. And Danny asks if he would ever hurt Wendy or himself. Jack wants to know why he would ask him that and asks if Wendy told him that he would hurt them. The entire time the music is building and Jack ends up saying that he would never hurt them. And we cut to Wednesday
0: before we cut to Wednesday though the way that he says to Danny that he'll never hurt him sounds like such a threat because he just just says I love you and I'll never do anything to hurt you I would never believe a (laughs) single
1: word that Jack said ever never do anything to hurt you never Danny is playing on the carpet in the hallway.
0: On the famous carpet, the famous shaped carpet, (laughs) and putting his vehicles and trucks around the edge of the design.
1: Yeah. He thinks that his mom is walking around in the hallway, so he calls out to her and walks around looking for her. As he's walking down the hallway, he sees that room 237, the door is open and a key is in the door.
0: Well what caught his attention initially was that tennis ball that Jack plays with rolled to him.
1: Mm -hmm. He thinks that Wendy might be in there so he goes in but we cut to Wendy in the boiler room and she's just kind of checking on some stuff. While she is we hear Jack screaming and she is alerted so she goes to go check him out. Jack is asleep at the typewriter and is dreaming and he is just really screaming wendy wakes him up and jack is very freaked out and says that he had the most terrible nightmare that he had killed her and danny and cut them into little pieces <laughs> he didn't <laughs> need to tell her all of that but he did i dreamed uh, that i killed you with danny <laughs> but i didn't just kill you i cut you up into little pieces Danny, meanwhile, is walking very slowly into the room and we get this shot from behind on him. And we see that his little Apollo sweater Mm -hmm. and his little, I think he has like a plaid shirt underneath, are ripped at the shoulder.
0: Yeah. And Wendy is telling him to leave because she doesn't want him to see his dad like that. Yep. All freaked out.
1: Uh, she's trying to keep him back, but he's just walking over to her in a trance and he's sucking his thumb.
0: And it's so sad because it seems so real that he would revert back to being mm-hmm. even younger than he is sucking his thumb. You feel so bad for poor Danny.
1: You really do. When she gets up to him, she sees that he's just not well and his neck is bruised and he won't answer anything she has to ask him. Wendy then looks at Jack and Jack looks very confused. She accuses Jack of hurting Danny and she runs off with him. Now we're with Jack and he's walking around the hotel talking to himself out loud.
0: And he's so angry.
1: He's so angry and he's very much like, if you think of someone stalking around in anger, this is 100% (laughs) the visual you should get. Yeah. He ends up walking to the gold room and turns on all the lights Then he walks up and sits down at the bar. He comments that he just wants to drink and is like rubbing his face and he says that he would give his soul for a beer. (sighs) My goddamn
0: soul. Just a glass of beer. Yeah, which is interesting.
1: Yes. uh, When he opens his eyes, he sees Lloyd, who is the bartender. (laughs) He makes a joke about it being a slow night because they're the only ones in the hotel. A little slow tonight, isn't it? <laughs> in talking to Lloyd, Lloyd serves him a drink um, and actually leaves an entire bottle with him. He ends up commenting that this will break his five months of sobriety. He tells Lloyd he's having a problem with Wendy, who he...
0: Lovingly sh- refers to as... "oh
1: sperm bank.
0: The sperm bank upstairs.
1: I'm <laughs> so mad. He says but that it's nothing that he can't handle. He very much reasserts that he did not touch Danny, that he loves him. I wouldn't touch one hair on his goddamn little head. I love the little son of a bitch. (laughs) But Wendy will never let him forget what happened and what he did. He talks about the accident and here we find out that it did happen three years ago. Wendy is calling for him and she's running around with a (laughs) bat. Uh, She says that there is a woman in the hotel who tried to strangle Danny. So now we find out that she no longer thinks that it is Jack who hurt their child. It is now this woman in the hotel.
0: A stranger that's left over.
1: Now we're in Miami and we see a news broadcast.
0: In Miami, not your Ami?
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Moons. Over it, um, <laughs> Dick is lounging, and he has a very wonderful little apartment for himself.
0: Yeah, uh, you like those paintings on there? I
1: love those paintings. <laughs> um, giant
0: naked ladies with afros.
1: Um, like I, I love the velvet one. I was just like, that's classy. That's
0: I meant naked ladies with giant afros. <laughs> what did you say? As a giant naked ladies.
1: <laughs> <laughs> He's watching the news. And we get the eerie music again and he senses Danny at the hotel and we hear a heartbeat. And I love how this comes in. And we pretty much get that Danny is communicating with him and showing him room Two
0: three seven. Yeah, and it's this great close-up of a Dick as it pushes in, looking yes. scared out of his mind.
1: Yeah, and then we get Danny, and Danny's doing his little thing, and he's got some drool coming out <laughs> of his mouth, and um, we're walking t- through the room. But it turns out that we're actually Jack, who's walking through. Yeah, Jack is
0: now in room 237.
1: He makes it all the way to the end of the bathroom, and he finds a woman bathing in the tub, She's this beautiful woman, and she gets out of the tub very slowly and walks over to him.
0: This scene is so good, and it's built up so great because, again, everything is tracking. You're in Jack Nicholson's POV for most of it, and everything is so slow. You just see at the end of the bathroom the bathtub. And the shower curtain closed. And you're just looking, waiting for maybe there's something there. Maybe there's something not. And then you just see the hand open up the curtain. But I it's a beautiful like lady. Yeah.
1: She's so long. Yeah. The lines in, in this. I just noticed how long her leg was and how pointy her toe got. <laughs> and she's so seductive. And he just like is flabbergasted. He does not know what to do with himself. Mm-hmm. And she walks up to him and they end up kissing. And... He notices her reflection in the mirror, and now she is an old, decaying woman.
0: Yeah, with with decay all over her. You know, with
1: her skin is blistered, and uh, there's yeah, just all these. Yeah, ro- she's rotting away.
0: And, and then this intensely scary scene of her laughing, reaching out towards him, and then it cuts to these shots of her in the bathtub rising up. <laughs> so weird and strange and you don't know the backstory of the whole thing
1: (laughs) yep she's like walking towards them and he quickly leaves the room and he can still hear her laughing like that's really what you hear mainly as well as this heartbeat dick now tries to call the overlook hotel but since the phone lines are down he's not going to be able to reach anyone wendy has been pacing the apartment and jack returns and tells her that he didn't see anything
0: not a goddamn thing
1: wendy tries to figure out what happened and is trying to have a conversation about it and uh, jack is being deceptive af as i put down when wendy is questioning these things that are happening he says that he thinks that danny did it to himself and that he just pretty much imagined all of this he then says that it's probably like the episode that he had before they got to the hotel Danny is laying in bed and can hear them and is absolutely horrified. And we get a flash of the door with red rum written on it Yeah, and the bloody elevator. Wendy says that they need to get Danny out of the hotel and this sets Jack off. He says that he won't leave, they're not leaving. He blames her that she's just trying to mess this up for him, um, that this is something that's good for him and he ends up storming off and leaves Wendy crying jack again storming around and knocking things off of walls and <laughs> yeah, shelves and all this
0: stuff throwing uh, pots and pans in the kitchen yeah wiping them away
1: he hears music coming from the ballroom the gold room and in the hallway leading up to it there are a bunch of balloons and confetti on the ground he ends up having a deep long stare down this hallway which should be empty Dick calls Forest Services to get a hold of the hotel and they tell him to call back. They'll go ahead and radio them over. So Jack goes into the gold room and finds a party happening. He's greeted by name by the MC, concierge, I don't know,
0: yeah. as he walks in. Yeah, it's filled with all these people that look like they're from a different time. Yes. Celebrating New Year's. No, it's Fourth no, of it's July. Fourth
1: of July. He pulls up, I've never seen a Fourth of July ball ever, by the way, but whatever, I'm not fancy. <laughs> um, He pulls pulls up to the bar to talk to Le Lloyd, and <laughs> he gets, again, his bourbon on the rocks.
0: Yeah. Now, let me tell you something. Did you notice the thing about money?
1: He tries to pay, and Lloyd tells him that, no, his money is not good here, that it's on the ho- I mean, they have a whole conversation about it. Yeah. But he doesn't have any money right now.
0: No, the first time he didn't have money. Oh. Now, he does have money. And they won't so, there's been talk about this scene. So the first time he goes to the to the bar, he says he's a little light on money. He doesn't have anything. And he says, oh, it's okay. Your money's no good here.
1: No, they open a tab for him
0: or they open a tab. Uh, This time he goes to the bar and now he does have money, but they say his money is no good here. Now, this is the same day. How did he all of a sudden get money? Mm -hmm. So people wonder, is that a continuity mistake or is that? The hotel playing with his mind and the ghosts basically doing something to him.
1: Yeah, that would make more sense because then they do have a conversation.
0: And I imagine it is intentional knowing Stanley Kubrick because everything is thought of.
1: Lloyd tells him to drink up and that... Be
0: Hardy's yo-ho? <sighs>
1: <laughs> and uh, that this is... On the house, Jack is suspicious as to why the house is letting him drink for free. And Lloyd says that it's currently not any of his concern. Jack says, sure. And gets up. And as he... Oh, can you look up what avocat
0: is? <laughs> avocat is a traditional Dutch alcoholic beverage made from eggs, sugar, and brandy. So we ask about that because...
1: Yeah, he um gets up and a server... Holding a tray of avocado, bumps into him and gets it all on him accidentally. He takes him to the bathroom to clean up his jacket, and this man is Delbert Grady. Can I say I really, really, really like this actor because his face goes through such an insane transformation of being a very and he doesn't really face the camera too much until he gets to the point. He he is so friendly looking, and then he just looks sinister and just well, crazy
0: i always thought that ever since the first time i saw this because you d- you only see him from far away shots when he's kind and friendly and it's just a waiter basically and then when they cut to the close-up of his face where you find out you know he's grady and he tells his where they talk about his backstory and all that i always thought he doesn't look the way that i imagine him uh-huh just looking like all of a sudden they changed actors it seems oh, like yeah no but, no but yeah this scene is great they, they go into the bathroom to clean them it's a really neat looking bathroom
1: yeah it's a great looking bath every room in this hotel is amazing jack tells him that he recognized him from the newspaper and tells him which was very interesting because we never see him look at a newspaper he gets that information from ullman but he might have looked it up after the interview he recognizes him from a newspaper and tells him what he does to his kids and to himself. You uh, chopped your wife and daughter
0: up into little bits, and and uh, you blew your brains out. That's strange, sir. I don't have any recollection of that at all.
1: Jack tells him that he was the caretaker, and Grady then tells him that Jack has always been the caretaker, and Grady knows because he's always been there as well.
0: You've always been the caretaker. I should know, sir. I've always been here.
1: He then goes on to tell him about Danny contacting Dick and tells him about Danny's ability pretty much commenting that jack does not know about this side of danny mm-hmm. jack is shifty and uneasy and pretty much blames this all on wendy and says that she interferes Grady says that they would need a good talking to, which, good talking to or more, which is code for kill them.
0: <laughs> That's right.
1: I like the way he says the word corrected and correct Corrected. corrected. Yeah. He uh, says that his daughters did not like the hotel and they tried to burn it down. He corrected them. And then when he was correcting them, killing them, his wife tried to stop him. So he corrected her too. Hi corrected her i do like the way they say i don't appreciate the racism and the use of some of the verbiage in this scene aside from that it's a great conversation between two very compelling characters one that's very calm and direct ish about things and the other that is tumbling through a mental breakdown (laughs) and trying to piece it all together
0: well it's really interesting thinking about grady being in jack nicholson's shoes knowing that he went through the exact same thing that jack nicholson is currently experiencing Uh uh-huh and then when we find out what happens to jack nicholson thinking that the same thing happened to grady as well yeah and and that jack is eventually going to be in this same sort of limbo that Grady's in right now. Mm
1: -hmm. Wendy is pacing, trying to figure out how to leave. So she is also having her own little moment. Meanwhile, Danny is creepily sitting up, saying "Red Rum." Red Rum. Red Rum. Uh, She goes over to comfort him, and he speaks to her as Tony, saying that Danny isn't here and that Danny can't wake up. Danny's not here, Mrs. Torrance. Jack is then walking around and he hears the radio going so he goes into the room which is Almond's office and dismantles the radio and removes some key parts to pretty much make it inoperable.
0: Yeah, so now there's no communication to the outside world.
1: Yep. Dick is following up with the Forest Service, and they tell him that they haven't been able to reach the family. We now get a little bit more granular from having days to counting down hours. So now it's 8 a.m., and there is a plane mid-flight where Dick is on his way over. I like that we go from Dick saying, you know what, it's okay, don't worry about it. He's being very casual to people outside of himself, and then immediately gets on a plane. (laughs) (laughs) We get some wind howling, and we are in the Colorado room coming up behind Jack, who is furiously typing away. Dick arrives at the airport and he calls Larry um, who is down the mountain basically played Um, by
0: Tony Burton who's that he played Duke in the Rocky movies
1: he was Apollo
0: Creed's trainer
1: okay he calls Larry to find out about the conditions to get a snowcat so he can get up there he tells Larry that the current caretakers are unreliable assholes
0: he told Larry that Allman called him and he said that Allman asked Dick if Dick could go check on him.
1: Yep, he still has to drive up about five hours from Denver, and the traffic is um, pretty bad. Wendy and now Tony Danny are watching TV. She Tony is- Danzy. <laughs> Tony Danza. I know I got it. <laughs>
0: But Tony Danny is so close to Tony Danza.
1: I know, but Tony Danny. she She's a wreck and she rations for some reason that she needs to go talk to Jack, but she takes her bat with her, thankfully. um, We find an empty Colorado room as she's walking in and she's looking for Jack. We get a shot of her approaching the typewriter, which I really like this because you see the page sticking out of the typewriter and you see her face come up over it and her face starts to slowly morph as she's looking at it it's very subtle because i think that shelly Devol just looks scared all the time um <laughs> but she does get a little bit more wide-eyed and we get a shot of the text and the text says all work and no play makes jack a dull boy over and over again yeah um she looks super horrified and she looks over at the stack with the exact same sentence written in all sorts of different ways Over and over on every single page that she looks at.
0: Pages and pages and pages worth. And I like how, you know, it looks like there's actual paragraphs and stuff, but it's just the same words over and over again. And apparently Stanley Kubrick's secretary typed all that up over months and months of time. And what's interesting is people have theories that old typewriters actually have different sounds for each key, if you know it well enough. Mm -hmm. So... Stanley Kubrick made sure that all the scenes of Jack typing, (sighs) the audio is really him typing that.
1: Oh, wow. That's crazy. Jack creeps up and asks... (laughs) How do you like it? (laughs) And Wendy screams and she's very scared.
0: It's a great reveal because it's not just a pop-up scare. We see him enter the frame from behind Mm -hmm. and... She's the one that gets the jump scare, not us.
1: Yeah. He questions why she's there and she says that she just wants to talk to him. He happily flips through all of the pages and asks what she wants to talk about. And again, in his really, really crappy way, the the tone that he has is just so (laughs) uh, she plays that she can't remember and just kind of is backing away from him. Danny is listening in horror and seeing the bloody elevator images Um, while this is happening. Jack wants to talk to her about what they should do about Danny. I put down this conversation is bonkers. She's just trying to get away. And he is taunting and condescending and aggressive and is falling deeper and deeper into this madness as he's talking to
0: her. And he mocks her and mimics her crying. Oh, God.
1: Everything. He's just like, and Wendy's backing away, and she's just trying to think of how to escape. She's confused and exasperated, and she really doesn't understand what's happening to Jack. She swings the bat, and he taunts her some more, then tells her that he's going to kill her with some very, I guess, iconic lines.
0: Yeah, this is one of the best scenes of the movie, and basically says, Wendy, light of my life.
1: I'm not gonna hurt you. You didn't let me finish my sentence. I said, I'm not gonna hurt you. I'm just gonna bash your brains. In. I do like the different tones that he tries out to get her to give him the bat. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's just like that didn't work let me try it this way but all of them are just yeah. horrible He's like
0: let me try to be sweet let me try to be demanding
1: <laughs> <laughs> she hits him and i guess thank god that this is 1980 because if this were any earlier he would have been a hundred percent dead the way he fell down those stairs
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> he falls down the stairs and is knocked out she then drags him to the pantry and i really like how this is played out because first of all she had to drag him a very long way to get to the pantry and he wakes up mid-drag and asks what she's doing. She locks him in the pantry and he tries to convince her to let him out. Um, First he's very demanding and then he decides to play into the wound that he has on his head and says that he needs a doctor.
0: For a second you almost buy maybe she knocked it out of him. And maybe he's going to be normal again, and and that's what I never, I never did. Well, that's what he—that's he's trying to betray. (laughs) And I'm—I'm a little bit surprised that they didn't play up more on that of her like almost letting him out, Mm. but she
1: doesn't she's scared as he's trying to trick her into opening the door and she tells him that she's leaving and will bring back a doctor he then very crappily and laughingly tells her that she's in for a big surprise and then she's not leaving because uh, she should go check out the snow cat <laughs> yeah so he's disabled the snow cat as well as the radio so they are stranded and they can't talk to anyone Now it is 4 p.m. and Jack is sleeping in the pantry. He's had himself a bunch of snacks.
0: Yeah, I noticed that.
1: (laughs) And uh, there's a knocking at the door. He's a bit disoriented from the balk that he got and is confused as if someone would be knocking. And it turns out that it's Grady at the door. Grady brings up that he hasn't taken care of the business that they had discussed earlier and that Grady and the others believe that he can't follow through. He's goading him on pretty much and just like, are you going to take care of this or not?
0: I and others have come to believe that your heart is not in this.
1: Dick is coming up the road, up the mountain in a snowcat. So we get a little bit of that also. Danny has a wardrobe change and is walking around saying red rum. He picks up the knife that Wendy got because Wendy decided it's time for a nap or something. I'm not too sure what that's about, but she fell asleep. So he grabs that and is carrying it around saying red rum all creepily. Then turns around and sees a little tube of lipstick. So he grabs that red lipstick and he writes red rum on the bathroom door then he starts screaming it and slowly his voice morphs from tony's voice back to danny's voice and he's just screaming red rum yeah. wendy wakes up and sees the writing reflected and the red rum reads murder
0: yeah and it's a push in a zoom in onto the door that says murder and I love the pushes, the zooms in this movie. I do too. I normally hate them. It, for some reason, it makes it extra scary. It's in this so movie. good.
1: It, re, it truly, I, I will say, I normally do not like these type of zooms. Totally into it in this movie. Yeah.
0: And as soon as it pushes it, now the whole movie is taken up to a new level.
1: Oh, yeah. And we got Jack, who is trying to break into the apartment with an axe.
0: Wendy, I'm home. So, Delbert Grady let him out of the pantry. Yes. So, the spirits haven't really been physically involved with anything except for that one moment. I don't know. There's been lots of talk as to what that really is. What Does the ghost just let him out or did he figure out a way? I don't know. It seems a little weird that the ghost could just let him out like that. But then when you think that the lady beat up Danny... Yeah. Earlier, they do have physical contact. So I don't know. So
1: the next best place that they can go to is they go to the bathroom. And Wendy manages to open up this window and pushes Danny out the window, which has like a snowbank against the building Mm because they're up a few stories. He slides down. The bathroom window, though, does not uh, budge open. And I love her acting in this where she's trying to get through the window, but she can't. So she shakes back and forth a bunch. Yeah. Um, The window never fully opens.
0: Yeah, I was only able to open a little bit. So a little boy like Danny could get out, but not Wendy. Nope,
1: She can't escape. Jack is stalking through the apartment and he knocks on the ba- on the bathroom door. Wendy tells Danny to go and run and hide. Jack taunts her and then starts to uh, break down that door with an axe.
0: Yeah, not before he says, and I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house. So he is acting like the big bad wolf. Little pigs, little pigs let me come in not by the hair on your
1: chinny chin chin then i'll huff and i'll puff, and i'll blow your house in
0: so these shots of jack nicholson with the axe are framed so well i think stanley kubrick was actually the camera operator on those shots and i love how the camera Always keeps the axe in the center of the frame. I love it. So the camera moves with the action of the axe. It's really neat. And it makes it feel like you're so much more involved. Oh, yeah. And and almost like Star Tours at Disneyland, you know?
1: (laughs) That's the worst 3D. I'd be like, get me out of this. We need to. (laughs) But yeah, I do like that. That, yeah, it flows through and it stops when the axe can't go further. Right. So you really feel that. So we get our Here's Johnny thing where he squeezes a little face through here's johnny (laughs) and she takes her little knife and takes a swipe at him as he's trying to open the door just in time dick is coming up to the hotel and both wendy and jack hear the snow cat approaching jack has to decide which problem he needs to take care of first and uh we cut to danny from here and danny meanwhile hides in the kitchen which totally gives me major Jurassic park vibes
0: yeah he gets in a little metal cupboard like the way Lex Cabin, does yeah. in Jurassic Park. But he's so loud pushing all the yeah. the things in there.
1: Jack chooses to take care of Dick first and Wendy composes herself and is able to stab the door open. <laughs> Uh, dick calls out as uh, jack approaches him this is a very interesting scene where dick is very cautiously moving through the hotel and jack is not cautiously but is able to pretty much like stalk his prey and we get this jump scare where jack stabs dick through the heart with the (laughs) axe And we get just a bunch of noises. The music builds. Jack is screaming. And Dick screams, I believe. But Danny definitely screams because he senses what happens.
0: Yeah. And Jack is making these like really grotesque faces. And it's just so intense. And then after it's over, the shot of Jack Nicholson rising up from below camera frame in slow motion with this hideous grin on his face is so good. And now he's... On the hunt for Danny!
1: Well, because he heard him, so he knows exactly where he is, and he tries to get to him. So Danny takes off running from his hiding place. Wendy is running around the apartment area of the hotel, and we hear a bunch of chanting, which then this place back, I would assume, to the Indian burial ground.
0: Yeah, maybe. It's really scary, though. Yeah. And this upcoming shot is the scariest moment of the movie for me.
1: It's extremely unsettling. It's very upsetting. I kind of don't understand the physics of how this would work, considering what's happening. But we see a dog bear going hammer on some man's downstairs parts and his little tuchus <laughs> is out. <laughs> You know, how does he do that with the mask because the mask doesn't look like it has a lot of dexterity to it
0: i don't know but, <laughs> but i never thought that, that i mean that is what he's doing but before reading into it and and it's i'm not reading
1: into it that's clearly what he's doing
0: i don't know when i first <laughs> when i first watched this i never thought that's what he's doing i just thought something weird is going on i had no idea what uh-huh. but it was going on so he leans up and it's yeah this guy in a bear dog costume, and. Uh, it's so scary in the book you find out that i think it's supposed to be the owner of the hotel with his lover or something i don't remember exactly but it's just entirely random in this movie and the camera has that scary zoom in again yes with such scary music it really freaks me out because there is no explanation
1: nope there's no explanation. his little little tush is out (laughs) having a great time whatever they're doing they're consensually engaging in whatever but uh she runs away as i would as well jack goes outside to follow danny and ends up scaring danny out of his hiding place behind dick's snow cat and danny runs into the hedge maze danny knows what's up with this hedge maze like I don't think he has a plan, but he knows where to go. And he's really a smart kid. So we now get these scenes intercut between the two where we are following Jack, following Danny, and then also Wendy trying to get her way through the hotel. So Jack follows Danny and follows his footprints into the maze. I don't think I mentioned this earlier, but Jack has a limp. He's not functioning 100% with the bonk on his head and he is physically slower from falling down the stairs yeah so he's a little bit behind he's pretty behind Danny actually and all he's doing is following his footprints into this maze meanwhile Wendy's still running around holding the knife really willy-nilly looking for Danny and she finds Dick's body
0: again a really scary zoom in on his dead body
1: oh just so sad and we hear chanting and she gets to the lobby I believe again i don't know i'm a little confused
0: i think it's actually the colorado room is it the, is colorado lounge
1: it? now it's just overrun with cobwebs and dead party goers
0: yeah skeletons yeah very scary like tower of terror all cobwebbed over we forgot the party guest that scared her after she sees the body of dick halloran she gets scared because
1: that's what it is so she sees chanting and sees a dead party goer And he says, like, marvelous party. Yeah, he says, great
0: party, isn't it? This guy that has a gash in his forehead. Great party, isn't it? I always thought that was Delbert Grady as a kid. But it's not. But it's not. It's a different, it's actually supposed to be the owner of the hotel, I think. But that uh, was not the man. It. That was that it was, was
1: engaging in things. with No, the that dog. was not.
0: But that's because in the movie, that's just a random act. Okay. So that's not the owner. But I think this guy is supposed to be the owner. Have you read this book? I I've read parts of it, but not the whole thing. Mm. So yeah, she sees that guest, and then she sees the skeletons and all that.
1: Yeah. Danny is doubling back on his own tracks in
0: which is very smart.
1: Yeah, it's very smart. He's setting up a fake trail that runs cold. No pun intended. Um. For snow? Jack, it's snow? Because it's Now we're back with Wendy and she sees the bloody elevator.
0: Yeah, the door's open and here comes the blood.
1: Danny hides from Jack.
0: Here's bloody.
1: No. Danny hides from Jack as he follows the cold trail more puns (laughs) and Jack is very much kind of like breaking down he's cold he is limping he's he's injured he's slowing down and he follows what he thinks is Danny's trail and then he kind of just deviates from that after walking back a little bit yeah, and he's just yeah. You know, he, he has
0: no idea what to do. No, and he
1: just keeps getting more and more lost. Wendy runs out of the hotel looking for Danny as he runs out of the maze, and they hop into the snowcat and start driving away. Yeah, Jack can hear them and is wailing incoherently to my ears. Well, <laughs> but the subtitling had whole sentences.
0: <laughs> yeah, I never knew what. He, I mean, I knew he was always yelling Danny and Wendy, but. I didn't know until watching this movie with the <laughs> subtitles, he starts to sing some of California, Here I Come. <laughs> it's like, San Francisco, open up your gates, whatever it is. But
1: ultimately, he is lost in the maze, and they are able to drive away. He is calling out for help, and he eventually gives up and succumbs to the elements, and we get a wonderful cutscene. <sighs> it goes from him screaming doing all that stuff to him being super dead in the wackiest most like perverse like look on his face yeah um, and he's frozen and he's dead in the maze
0: yeah scary close up with his eyes rolled up
1: yeah inside the hotel we we hear the music coming from the ballroom and we close up on a wall that uh, we've seen earlier that has a bunch of pictures on it and there is a crowd, and at the bottom of this crowd is our good old friend, Jack. As it closes up on his face, we see a date at the bottom, and it says July 4th, Ball 1921. And we fade to black, and
0: the credits come in. Yeah, somehow Jack was uh, there in 1921
1: now. Yeah, he's always been there. And that is the shinning.
0: Shining. Shining. how'd you like it
1: oh i love this movie
0: i love it too you know when this movie came out lots of people did not like it
1: i mean i could see why it's an upsetting movie
0: yeah but i mean a lot of people didn't like it not because of the horror but because it just didn't make sense to them they thought it was boring they thought it was overacted like lots of not great stuff
1: that's crappy because this movie is fantastic
0: it is i really love it and I want to get right into it and talk about the making of this movie. Let's do it. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about some fun facts about The Shining. (laughs)
1: Okay. (laughs) Let's start
0: with, do you know who wrote The Shining?
1: The screenplay or the book? The book. Stephen King.
0: That's right. Stephen King. This is one of Stephen King's great stories. Mm Mm-hmm. So this movie was filmed at the Elstree Studios in England. Stanley Kubrick, the director, he decided he wanted to shoot the movie in sequential order, which meant that all sets had to be standing throughout the production of the movie, which was almost a year. Oh, geez. He's notorious for lots of retakes and being so precise about what he wants that it takes a long time for him to achieve what he wants. In fact, it pushed everything back that needed to be filmed afterwards, one of the movies being Raiders of the Lost Ark.
1: Oh, really?
0: hmm I think the uh, the Well of Souls scene in Raiders of the Lost Ark is the same space as the Colorado Lounge. Oh. The exterior of the hotel was the Timberline Lodge in Mount Hood, Oregon. So as I said, the director was Stanley Kubrick. He had already been successful with several films like Dr. Strangelove and Lolita and Clockwork Orange. Mm-hmm. I don't think In I've 2001.
1: Seen any of those movies, by the way. Um, I did see 2001.
0: I'm not a big fan of Clockwork Orange. I know lots of people don't like 2001. There's lots of good about Stanley Kubrick, but lots of stuff that I hear isn't so good.
1: Yeah. Eyes Wide Shut.
0: Never saw it. Pretty much The Shining is the only one that I really like of his that I've seen. So. Stanley Kubrick, he kept making script changes through the production, Uh like there's behind the scenes footage of him during the middle of the shoot with the actors rehearsing of him typing in a typewriter, writing new scenes, Wow! and Jack Nicholson just decided to stop reading the script because so many changes are being made. He would just wait until right before the scene and be given lines and rehearse it right before the scenes are made.
1: That's crazy. I quit using my script. I just take the ones they
0: type up each day. Aren't you exaggerating a little bit? No. No. (laughs) So again, I said he was famous for having the cast do take after take and so many takes, sometimes maybe over a hundred takes, even though that's probably exaggerating a little bit. That's what like documentation has said. But people argue that that's not true. And it's more like 35 to 45 takes, which is still a a lot. Yeah. In fact, Scatman Crothers, who played Dick Halloran, had a really tough time on the shoot because of all the takes that he would have to do oh really he's an older guy Uh it was tough for him but he enjoyed the experience when kubrick decided he was going to do the shining there's rumors that he used to call stephen king at like three in the morning and ask him random questions about his beliefs in god and things like that (laughs) Uh and kubrick denies that ever happening but stephen king says it does apparently when they talked about making this movie for the first time kubrick said well to stephen king isn't the idea of ghosts a good thing and it's not scary and stephen king's like well what do you mean he's like well it's proof that there's an afterlife and then so stephen king explained well some people are more scared of hell than anything else and so they would have these weird conversations apparently at three o'clock in the morning so Stanley Kubrick's going to direct and then he has to hire his cast. The first thing he did was he made his cast watch three movies to get inspiration. Those movies are Eraserhead, Rosemary's Baby, and The Exorcist. So playing Jack Torrance, we have Jack Nicholson, one of the greatest actors ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was an Oscar winner by this time for One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Mm. There's this great documentary that Stanley Kubrick's daughter made. On the making of *The Shining*, where she went around the sets and filmed everything, and there's behind-the-scenes shots of all the actors, you know, goofing around and all that. And at one point, Jack Nicholson is marking up his script, and all he does, he does this technique where all he does is find his lines and put a check next to them, so he could learn just his lines to be sure. And he says in the documentary that he learned this technique from Boris Karloff. Hmm. Yeah, I like that.
1: This is the way that I saw. Boris Karloff marks his lines I, I've copied it ever since then simply by picking them up and yeah. reading it turns me into a freaking monster
0: <laughs> <laughs> so Jack Nicholson and Shelley Duvall they both believe this to be one of the most difficult performances of their careers it was very tough for them for Jack Nicholson to get in the right mood of his his anguish and his dislike of everything. He would eat only cheese sandwiches because he hated cheese sandwiches. (laughs) How do you hate a cheese sandwich? Yeah. Before Jack Nicholson was cast, Kubrick considered hiring Robert De Niro or Robin Williams for the role.
1: That would have been interesting.
0: (laughs) He thought De Niro wasn't psychotic enough for the role. Not even, yeah. Yeah, he thought Niro wasn't psychotic enough to play the role, and he thought Robin Williams was too psychotic to play the role. I think Robert Williams could have been interesting actually
1: that would have been it would have been so scary, though. Remember when he did one hour photo and we all just side-eyed him yeah. for a while.
0: <laughs> Some other people that apparently were considered for the part would have been Chevy Chase. <laughs> Martin Sheen, Leslie Nielsen, and Christopher Reeve. Leslie Nielsen? (laughs) (laughs) Well, he was a dramatic actor before, like Naked Gun.
1: No. (laughs) Remember, he was in um,
0: Poseidon Adventure. I know, but
1: he will always be (laughs) Naked Gun to me.
0: Stephen King tried to get Stanley Kubrick to cast someone like John Voight or Michael Moriarty, since they appear normal and can become crazy. As Wendy Torrance, we have Shelley Duvall. She was also in Popeye of the same year with Robin Williams.
1: Yeah. That's not a good movie.
0: No. (laughs) So... She suffered a lot in this movie from exhaustion and abuse from Stanley Kubrick. She became ill and had hair loss. And Stanley Kubrick was always yelling at her. But he did that to terrorize her to get the best performance out of her.
1: But that's ridiculous. She's an actor. So she would be able to channel that without being berated by someone.
0: I was really in and out of ill health. Because the stress of the role was so great. So for me, it was just tumultuous. Yeah, I mean, after the movie was made, she has said that she ultimately appreciated it because it got her to where she needed to get to for the character. But she would never want to go through it again. When she was on the set and Stanley would be yelling at her or if she's just exhausted and stuff, people would come over and sympathize with her and and console her. And Stanley Kubrick would tell them, do not sympathize with her. Do not make her feel better because... We don't want her to be like that. And it just sounds like an awful thing for him to say and that he's mean to her, but he's doing it for a reason, which is he's directing her. I
1: guess. Well, I don't sympathize with Shelley. It doesn't help you, wouldn't
0: it? Yes, it does. It does. does. Danny Lloyd plays Danny Torrance. Mm -hmm. Do you know who Stanley Kubrick's first choice was? No. Carrie Guffey. That's the little boy from Close Encounters of the Third Kind. But his parents turned down the role because of the horror in the movie. Hmm. Again, I told you Danny Lloyd came up with the idea of the finger-talking Tony. Yeah. Now, what do you know about Tony?
1: Well, I believe from my understanding, I have not read the book, but I listened to a podcast where they were talking about the book, and I believe that Tony is older Danny talking to younger Danny
0: yeah in the book it's his future self talking to younger Danny but in the movie they never explain that and they they almost make Tony seem sort of evil or or foreboding almost like Captain Howdy in The Exorcist
1: Mm-mm. um and then they've never touched on it in Dr. Sleep
0: yeah that would have been neat if he would because, was gonna talk to himself
1: yeah he goes back to there
0: yeah And then we have Scatman Crothers as Dick Halloran. He was recommended to Kubrick by Jack Nicholson. Mm -hmm. Scatman Crothers was also in One floor of the Cuckoo's Nest. Oh. He was a big star who was an actor and a comedian and a singer, very famous. And he was also in the Twilight Zone movie in the Kick the Can segment. And he was also in The Aristocats, the Walt Disney production.
1: Who was in The Aristocats?
0: He was a cat. <laughs> but he did a lots of voiceover work, and he was the voice of Hong Kong Fui. Remember Hong Kong Fui? I do. Yeah. Hmm. Joe Turkle plays Lloyd. 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 <laughs> so, <laughs> Lloyd, he was originally going to be played by Harry Dean Stanton, but hmm. he had to turn down the role because he was doing a little movie called Alien. Wow. Oh, huh? <laughs> Joe Turkle was also in Blade Runner. And also, he played the janitor in my favorite episode of Boy Meets World, the Scream episode. I saw The Shining once in the theater with Joe Turkle in person.
1: Oh, really? Like you guys
0: went on a date? Yes. He he (laughs) talked to the audience. Oh. Barry Nelson plays Ullman the guy that hired, Jack Nicholson. Mm-hmm. And I know him best from one of the best episodes of The Twilight Zone Which entitled one? Stop Over in a Quiet Town. He has that famous line where he says, "Paper maché." <laughs>
1: Is that a famous line? Yeah. Okay.
0: That's the episode where he and his wife are in a town where everyone has seemed to disappear and no one's there.
1: Oh, it's the doll,
0: the place at? Yeah. A giant hand comes and picks them up and they're in an alien beings dollhouse. Mm. So the lounge set, the Colorado lounge, it was a huge set. And it had these giant windows that we saw in the movie that would face the outside. Mm -hmm. Well, it was all indoors. So they had to use very, very bright lights to create a snowy outside day. Mm -hmm. So it got very hot in there. In fact, the set did catch on fire at one point. Of course. Again, I told you it was later used for Raiders of the Lost Ark, that Uh same soundstage. Uh The famous elevator shot with the blood going. Uh So it took nine days to set up the elevator shot. But Stanley Kubrick, again, he wants to do retake after retake. Again, remember, nine days to just set up one shot. He had to reshoot it three times. So they did it throughout the course of a year. They shot it three times until they got it right. Uh And they eventually did. The bear costume guy, in the book, it's actually, it's not the owner of the hotel. It's the manager of the hotel that is with the bear and a secret lover. (laughs) and then again we talk a little bit about this but the ghost that says great party we're not told who it is but in the book it's supposed to be horace derwent who is the owner of the overlook hotel okay in the famous here's johnny (laughs) scene uh, jack nicholson had to break down the door and at first they had a very flimsy door but he was i think He had some sort of experience with a fire department or something and knew how to wield an axe. Okay. And he uh, did it too well and destroyed the door (laughs) way too fast. So they had to build a more sturdy door. But apparently, according to Shelley Duvall, it took 60 doors to create that scene because they had to shoot it so many times. Mm -hmm. The Here's Johnny line was improvised by Jack Nicholson, Mm -hmm. taken from the Johnny Carson show. Mm Mm-hmm. Or The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson.
1: I understood what you said.
0: <laughs> so, in the book, do you remember what they had instead of the hedge maze?
1: Topiaries.
0: Yeah, there was no hedge maze instead. It was topiaries, hedge animals. And those would come to life and attack, basically.
1: I think they did that for the TV movie starring uh, Stephen Webber and Rebecca de Mornay. Oh, mm-hmm.
0: Rebecca DeMornay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> what? I don't know. Rebecca DeMonay. <laughs>
0: um. <laughs> so um. wait a minute.
1: I'm sorry. Someone did a chuck check. check in this movie oh
0: yeah there was a chuck check (laughs) i think when dick halloran is on the airplane he asks how much longer until they land and he did the chuck check which Mm -hmm. again if you listen to the omega man episode that's where the actor or charlton heston (laughs) specifically checks the inside of his wrist to look at his wrist watch okay So the hedge animals come to life in the book, and the reason Stanley Kubrick didn't do this was because he felt the effects weren't up to par at the time in 1980, which he was probably right. Yeah. So he did a hedge maze instead. Again, it took a long time to shoot this picture, almost 200 days. Can you imagine?
1: Yeah, I can. (laughs) We've We've been in lockdown for 50, so yeah. Well, more than 50 at this point.
0: Originally, John Williams was going to do the music for this movie. Really? But Stanley Kubrick decided to use a mix of music instead. Uh, Wendy Carlos and Rachel Elkind ended up doing the music but Stanley Kubrick didn't use a lot of their original stuff he used mostly just classical music and they would rescore it sometimes and like the opening theme is is an electronic piece that was composed by them but it was based off of a very famous piece from the fifth movement of Hector Berloise's. Symphonic Fantastique, which itself was inspired from the famous medieval hymn, Dies Air. I don't know if I'm pronouncing any of this right. (laughs) I don't either. But that theme, again, it was written in the 1800s, I think. It's a famous piece of classical music, but it had been used in various horror movies. It's now so famous and synonymous with The Shining, but there are horror movies that used that same theme as their own theme before The Shining. Hmm. A couple that come to mind are The Return of Dracula oh. and The Screaming Skull is another one that uses the theme.
1: I'm not familiar at
0: all. That's an AIP picture, American International Pictures. So when they put together the trailer for the movie, if you see the trailer, it's pretty much just the shot of the elevators and the blood, oh, hi, the, yeah. and the blood coming out. <laughs> yep, yep. Well, the Motion Picture Association had a strict rule which said that they cannot show any blood in trailers. So how did they do it? Black and white. No, Stanley Kubrick wrote a letter to the Motion Picture Association and convinced them that it was not blood, but rusty water. That's blood. (laughs) Yeah, he checked them. Yeah, he did. You know the famous movie poster? That was done by Sal Bass, who was a very famous graphic artist, did lots of Hitchcock stuff.
1: I was about to say, I'm like, he did Alfred Hitchcock stuff, the opening credits for stuff, right?
0: Yeah, uh-huh. did opening credits and posters and and apparently he had to do 300 different versions of this poster until Stanley Kubrick picked one that he liked. As I told you at the beginning of, of this episode, the movie didn't get very good reviews when it came out.
1: Uh-huh. Again,
0: they thought it was overacted, they didn't understand it, they thought it was slow and people fools. a lot of people did not like it. In fact, All
1: of them fools.
0: Do you know the Raspberry Awards? Yes, I do. It got nominated for two Raspberry Awards for Worst Actress, Shelley Duvall, and Worst Director, Stanley Kubrick. Fools. It did not win.
1: I hope they took back those nominations.
0: <laughs> there was an original ending that they were going to do and decided against it. Oh? In this original ending, when Jack is, is locked into, in the pantry, mm-hmm. he would escape the pantry and Wendy would stab him to death. Dick Halloran would then come to the hotel, and Delbert Grady would welcome him and says that Halloran has some unfinished business.
1: Oh my gosh. Halloran
0: would grab the axe to kill Danny, but Danny knows that he's coming and knows to run away since they both shine. Wendy would then find Halloran and stab him to death before they got into the snowplow and leave.
1: Interesting. What do you think of that? I don't like that. I don't like Dick <laughs> trying to kill
0: them yeah and then apparently there was an alternate ending that was filmed Uh huh. when the film was first released it had a different ending after the shot of jack's body the film would dissolve to a scene of policemen outside the hotel it would cut to a hospital where wendy is in bed and danny is playing in the waiting room allman arrives and tells her that he is unable to locate her husband's body anywhere on the property on the way out Allman gives danny a ball the same one that mysteriously rolled to him earlier in the film right before he was attacked in room 237 seven. Mm-hmm. Ullman laughs and walks away and the film dissolves to the move through the corridors towards the photo stanley kubrick removed that scene a week after the film was released oh as you might know from do you remember the movie room 237
1: I remember. I didn't see it.
0: It's not very good. (laughs) But there's a documentary about all the conspiracies that are in this movie and hints to other things it's so ridiculous I don't buy into any of that stuff but the biggest one being that people say that Stanley Kubrick faked the moon landing that he really filmed it and having Danny wear that Apollo shirt of the space shuttle is giving a hint saying I did the moon landing and all that I don't buy any of that
1: I don't know I saw a video of Buzz Aldrin punch some man in the face um, with his old man strength when he asked him about the moon landing being real or not so I'm gonna believe that old
0: man yeah i believe it (laughs) so stephen king is not a fan of of the shining yeah he finds it cold i mean it is (laughs) yes it is he doesn't like that version did you like kubrick's film of the shining
1: no cold i'm not a cold guy i mean uh i think one of the things that people relate to in my books is there's a warmth there's a reaching out and saying to the reader uh I want you to be a part of this. And with Kubrick's The Shining, I felt that it was very cold. Shelley Duvall as Wendy is really one of the most misogynistic characters ever put on film. She's basically just there to scream and be stupid. And that's not the woman that I wrote about. Did you talk to Kubrick about it? I met him on the set. I was over in England just on that one meeting that I thought that he was a very compulsive, almost like
0: anal man. Stephen King did remake the movie based off of his book for the 1997 miniseries. What's interesting, though, is Kubrick owned the rights to the movie version, and he gave Stephen King the permission to use it only if Stephen King would promise not to say any more bad things about the original film, except he could still have dissatisfaction over the miscasting of Jack Nicholson. Okay. Stephen King, yeah, he, he didn't like the original movie, because of the miscasting of Nicholson, you know, being that he's too crazy from the get-go. He's <laughs> very crazy. And when he says it's too cold, he, he likes to have the characters be very friendly and warm in his movies and these scary things happen to them. And he found that this movie did not have that. And in his mind, the perfect example of the differences of the movies are the way the two movies end, or the way the two stories end. In his book, In The Shining, there's a big fire in the boiler room, yeah. and in the movie he gets frozen to death Mm -hmm. so it shows the two different extremes that the stories take um i did want to mention ready player one when that came out they went into the movie the shining and they recreated it to a wonderful effect
1: they did really good i've never
0: seen the shining is it really scary uh i have to watch it through my fingers the characters go into the Colorado Lounge and go into room 237. and
1: They see the um, elevator.
0: Yeah, they see the elevator, the old lady. They go into the gold room. Really neat stuff. And then only, what, last year, Dr. Sleep came out, yeah. which is the sequel to The Shining. When I was a kid, there was a place. A dark place. They closed it down and let it rot. But the things that lived there—they come back. We were so pleasantly surprised with that movie. It's a great, it's it a great really sequel to really *The Shining*. you fun, yeah. So many great references and recreations of our favorite sets. I don't want to talk too much about Dr. Sleep because I don't want to spoil it for those that haven't seen it.
1: I'm going to spoil it. <clears throat> Here we <I> go.
0: <laughs> but take a look at it. There's some really good stuff in there.
1: Yeah, that's great.
0: And then I just want to end this talking about how... <laughs> We're done. <laughs> to talking about how popular this movie is and how, how much it's been parodied. Oh my gosh, remember, so much. Remember on The Simpsons? Yes, they do. That's probably the most famous version of the movie <laughs> that i'll had work and no
1: play make homer go something something oh crazy
0: don't mind if i
1: do yeah
0: and the here's johnny line has been said countless times yeah and everyone knows what it's from and it's all thanks to people like jack nicholson and stanley kubrick and stephen king and that is the shining terrific picture yeah terrific well i hope you all enjoyed that and uh i hope you watch the shining soon if you have not watched it recently please do yourself a favor do it and watch dr sleep and let us know how you feel the movies uh work together
1: yeah it's a great double feature So,
0: Anthea, where can everyone find us?
1: You can find us at Pods and Monsters on Facebook and Twitter. Pods and Monsters Podcast on Instagram, podsandmonsters.com on the websites we have our watch list up there which should be updating soon and yeah if you have any suggestions please feel free or comments please feel free to email us at podsandmonsters at and if you have a moment please 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 leave us a review and rate us on itunes it just helps us get seen a little bit and i think that's about it
0: all right For Pods of Monsters, I'm Robert. I'm Inthea. And did you hear that? I I was just shining with you. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) See you all later.
1: Bye. Stay safe.
0: Goodbye. Got a big surprise coming to you. <laughs> You're not going anywhere. <sighs>